the Keanu Review. Keanu, we gotta creep on you. For a B list, your realist, for eons, do you know what Neo knew? And can you be Kung Fu? Or are you dead when he said party on dudes? I know it's beyond you, that you could be untrue. Whether at point break speed on Neon Demon Boo, we got a brief on you. Don't put the tea on ooh. We drink a cognac for the podcast, a Keanu. You are listening to the Keanu Review. This week we are montaging our way through a hair and sweat-fueled story of vigilante hockey players bent on being as unsportsmanlike as possible. We are today reviewing Youngblood. My name is Bob Shields and with me as always are my co-hosts Regina Connolly. Hello. And Robin Hitchcock. Hello there. So do we have not one sound reviews but one woe reviews? Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Uh, guys, we're trying out that segment for the first time to see how we feel about it. And if we don't like it, next episode we might do something different, but I think it's cute. <laughs> Whoa, for real though, this movie. Oh my god, right? I, I said this right before we started recording, but one of my main notes for this movie is 20 minutes in, one of the strangest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I also realized as I was plugging in my mic, I was like, I've become spoiled by number one movie in America, where every episode, Sean Collier comes in with like a curated list of information from the Wikipedia and IMDb trivia mm-hmm. and, and further internet research, I assume. But basically, whenever I watch a movie for that show and I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Sean then tells me in the episode, Sean's <laughs> not here. Not <laughs> so none of us... I assume, Bob, did you do research? Do you know what this is? No, I watched it in a vacuum. Okay, so none of us know what this is. And none of us watched this at a formative young age, correct? We all saw this for the first time now. I had never heard of this. Me neither. And I think it's interesting that we've never heard of it. I mean, it is a 1986 movie, so we were babies when it came out. I was one. Um, But it has Patrick Swayze... And Sam Seaborn, also known as Rob Lowe. Uh, <laughs> and that, who was the, the coach is also, I feel like, an actor who's in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, this is, this is one of these movies where I recognize everyone and know nobody. Right. Also, the, the lady in this movie. Fionnula Flanagan. How do you say that? I don't come from your country. F- yeah, it's like Fionnula Flanagan or something like that. Yeah. No Look, idea. She is the 1980s Hermione Granger in this movie. Oh, no, you're talking about the love interest. We were talking about the landlady. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there's only two ladies, both of which fuck Rob Lowe. There's the older lady and then the age-appropriate lady. I thought the age-appropriate lady was very charming. I really liked her. I thought she was one of the best parts of this deeply bizarre movie. Yes. So this is a hockey movie. It is about Canadian Junior League hockey, which is, I guess, professional sports. I think my understanding, knowing nothing about hockey and refusing to learn anything about hockey, is that it's like the minor leagues. Okay, but they're teenagers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Rob Lowe moves from the States to Canada to audition for this hockey team and he makes it and immediately gets sexually assaulted by Patrick Swayze and then they become best friends. And then he also gets sexually assaulted by Fanula Flanagan or whatever, however you say her name, (laughs) who apparently just has sex with all these 17 year old hockey players who she has taken in under her roof. Mm -hmm. She's essentially running a reverse brothel. Yes. 
And it's, it's like played for laughs. Yeah, it's really weird. It's so weird. You know what else is played for laughs? When he's held down and his balls are shaved with a straight razor. That's what I was talking about when I said that uh, he was sexually assaulted. Yes, I wanted to be very clear that this movie involves a scene where Rob Lowe is held down and his balls are shaved with a straight razor. They like tie him up, don't they? Oh yeah. Yep. It's so deeply upsetting and creepy. And I know that times have changed, but I truly do not understand how that was ever like a lighthearted comedic scene. Honestly, like the first half of this movie is one deeply uncomfortable scene after another where Rob Lowe has barely any lines, but just looks at the camera wounded because everyone is trying to hurt him. And I was like, this is upsetting. Also, his face is weird. <laughs> his face <laughs> is too pretty to be a real face. <laughs> I think that this was partially influenced by like us watching it in like substandard definition. Yeah. It just, he looks like a doll. It, it is, yeah, this movie is presented in the quality in which it was made. Right. There, everything about it is incredibly 80s. It is like a crystallization of the 80s. So like our, our section Rufus, where we talk about what's dated is just everything in the movie is dated. It's yeah. Got the hair, the music, the weird steamy practice montages where he's in like a ghost ice rink. Oh yeah, the opening of the movie is him spookily skating with lots of dry ice uh, and like a dark background where you can't even see like the walls of the ice rink just like taking hockey shots. And as soon as you see that, you're like, I know what this movie is and you would be correct. It's fucking weird. I don't know that much about hockey. I assume, Bob, you know nothing about I hockey. I know nothing at all. And Regina, same. I know a little bit but I refuse to learn more. <laughs> <laughs> you might know more than I do. Like, well, I was very shocked. There's a fight at the end of the movie where they like literally beat each other with their hockey sticks. And I was like, I thought if you lifted it above a waistline, it was high sticking and you were in trouble. Uh, but then I started to Google to like find out what the rules of hockey fights are. And then I was like, you know what? Life is too short and I refuse to read about this. I wish I had a hockey translator. We are recording this virtually over Zoom, but we're both, well, all three of us are in Pittsburgh, which is a hockey town. And none of us are originally from Pittsburgh, so none of us are from originally a hockey town. So I don't know things about hockey. Anyway, what I definitely don't know, but am genuinely curious about is, is there anything inherent to the sport that makes people fight constantly <laughs> so i think part of the reason that people fight in my initial googling of it it is it's sort of meant to be your defense of your teammates so that when someone on your team gets a bad hit or whatever uh your way of like standing up for your teammate is to fight the other person and my middle school uh like health teacher was like People are allowed to fight in hockey because when you hit someone and you're on the ice, like you don't have the same impact. And there is a reason that, uh, for example, basketball players can't punch each other because like the traction on that floor uh, is very different than traction on ice. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I just remember that from high school that it's like, but I'm, I don't know. Hockey players seem to still get super damaged by fights. Yeah. And also like in other sports, the way you protect your teammates against foul play is the rules against foul play. <laughs> Correct. So, what? And, like, they have that in hockey. I, I, I've watched hockey games where people got benched for fighting, and it I had consequences on the game. I think that has changed. Like, I think similar to, like, how American football used to have, like, less padding and, you know, less rules or whatever, that I think hockey uh, was formerly, like, more fight-oriented, and that has sort of gone away. Um, I don't know. It's yeah, not but... an appealing sport. 
this movie made so I yeah this movie made hockey seem utterly unbearable yeah and like i had, i'm not into sport at all in fact i would categorize myself as basically anti-sport aggressively so <laughs> it's not a casual hate that he has but i had heard previously that hockey is like thrilling to watch especially in person it's like very fast-paced very energetic so i was curious about it on that front alone but now that i've seen this movie i'm like no don't don't need to see it not interested I, I have been to two hockey games in my life, and I had a great time at both of them. And I do not like watching hockey on TV. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a lot to love about it, but just like the, the violence aspect of it is just like a... It's an aspect of sport under a microscope that I particularly don't like. So, like, I'm like, it's cool that when people have, like, physical prowess and can be on ice and do these crazy things. But, like, I'm not interested in two dudes wailing on each other. And also, I am very upset by dental disasters. Like, deeply upset by dental disasters. And let me tell you, they're all over the place. So, that was the thing I was going to say we were talking about Rob Lowe's weird doll-like face. Is that <laughs> he should not be playing hockey. In the first scene, he gets a big cut over his eyebrow, which some guy sews up with a fish hook and then he gets his tooth knocked out and i'm just like you're ruining this pretty boy's best asset something that i thought was interesting about this movie is um it was and this might be a rufus moment but it was very refreshing to see an 80s male physique and let me tell you you see a lot of it there's a lot of nakedness a lot of dudes uh, a lot of butt cheeks but I just like not everyone is like deeply ripped with like uh, tons of muscle. And like a big plot point is that Roblo is meant to be like too small to really like stand up to these other like bruiser players. Uh, and that he's like too slight because um, this movie is definitely obsessed with size. But just like seeing nature, uh, naked Patrick Swayze and all these other people, like it's just a physique that you don't see as much. Uh, anymore in movies yeah i would prefer to not know so much about the size and shape of Roblo's dick though oh yeah yeah <laughs> i do think uh, a thing that i want to say is i feel like if you see this movie if you saw this movie at a formative age in real time and you were a human being who was attracted to men you would become a human being who is attracted to men if you saw this age at the appropriate age. <laughs> I, I agree. I there love... are undoubtedly dudes out there who are coming of age in the 80s who are like, when did I know I was gay? When I saw Youngblood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it makes sense. Also, because similar, like, this is very, very far from Point Break, and we'll talk about that later. But also, like... Uh, Sam Seaborn is in love with Patrick Swayze, I think, in this they movie. They are clearly in love, and and it's the same kind of in love that Johnny Utah is, where it's yes. like, I I can't help but be drawn into your charisma bubble, right? So, you know, you can choose to interpret that as just straight dudes who are obsessed with each other, but I choose not to. <laughs> I just so this, like, I can't help it, I'm, I just need to be around you kind of feeling. Yes. And I am someone who sort of did not see most of Patrick Swayze's uh, filmography in real time and still have not seen a lot of his movies. And I'm often taken aback when I do see him where I'm like, he is, I know we're not talking about him. This is the Keanu review, but Keanu's in this movie for like 40 seconds. <laughs> but like he, he really just like the, the charisma and like the type of character that he plays. Like there's a moment where he like chuckles in this. And I was like, that's some of the best fucking film laughing I've ever seen. And I hate this movie. I don't hate it. I just think it's dumb. And I, I hope to never watch it again. So he really does carry the sort of like magnetism of a cool guy at a party. Kind of like you just want to hang out with him. There is a part where he uh, gives like a smirk to one of the referees, like in one of his, in like his last game, I think. Uh, and he's just very, 
he's very charming. Like, there is a reason he plays this role all the time as the ringleader as a group of thuggish sportsmen. Oh, also, another thing to note, again, about uh, Patrick Swayze is, like, there is a moment where he just full-on kisses the ref uh, on the mouth, which I think, again, being played for laughs, but, you know, as a person watching it, you might feel differently. So, plot-wise, after Rob Lowe falls in with the team and they accept him, even though he's slight, as Regina put it, um, then one of the bad guys in the other team who wear black and gold, which was confusing to me because Pittsburgh. I'm like, how are they the bad guys? You knew that they were the bad guys because the goalie's mask had a skull on it because they really wanted to drive home that they were bad. (laughs) Anyway, one of the bad guys takes Swayze's helmet off and slams him down into the ice, giving him like a potentially lethal brain injury. Yep. And, uh, which was genuinely harrowing, that scene. Like, they did a really good job of, like, making it seem like he's really super hurt. And Rob Lowe's like, well, hockey is terrible. I'm going back to the U.S. And then his brother tries. It's like an improv game Oscar-winning moment of just, like, you can't <laughs> do this. I gave up so much for you to live your hockey dream. Um, <laughs> and so Rob Lowe goes back. They're like, you're disqualified. And he's like, not anymore. I'm not. And he's then, like, I missed all my rehearsals, but I would still like to be in the show. <laughs> right. Hockey exactly. rehearsals. <laughs> you need me, coach. And the coach somehow agrees. Meanwhile, he's been dating the coach's daughter, who is plucky. And then they win. The end, right? Did I miss anything important? Oh, yeah. he, well, he also so- beats the shit out of his... Oh, right. So so that is the arc of this movie is that Rob Lowe is a a very fast skater and like people who are trying to like trip him up or do what they do to other players, they can't do to him because he's so fast and they can't catch him. And you would think that the arc of the movie would be he brings that value to the team and can avoid violence by using his speed and skill and dexterous stick magnetism or whatever but uh, yeah magnets are definitely involved in hockey (laughs) whatever uh and instead is compelled to learn to fight and get revenge rather than be a skilled sportsman it's such a fucking weird backwards lesson that is learned in this movie so i will say a thing that i was like for half a second i was like oh is this movie gonna be interesting to me because i felt like they were diving into a sort of like labor issue and like working class issue of there are all these dudes who see hockey as their escape from their uh difficult lives of like working in a factory or being broke farmers but because there's a plenitude of people who want that position and there's only a few openings that they are being exploited by like the owner class uh the people who like run the teams and patrick swayze has a conversation with sam seaborn where he's like you got to play it their way like this is the only way to like succeed in it treat it he's basically like you can love the game but you have to treat it like a job and i was like oh this could be a really interesting no no that's the only thing you're gonna say about that and then we're just gonna go into like rob Lowe basically toes the line beats somebody up and is like well now i fit in with everybody else moving on and so that was definitely a bummer. And the way that he learns to beat somebody up is like his his brother is essentially like his surrogate dad, which I thought was interesting that the training montage was his brother stepping up as like a father figure. But then his dad comes in and is like, no, no, I really need my son to punch me in the face. And only when he fights me, his father, will he truly be a man. And I was like, this movie is too much for me to deal with. I agree. I also want to talk about the title because I kept... But in the run-up to us watching this movie, I kept 
thinking of it and calling it young bloods mm-hmm. because I only know the term young blood as a thing that older black people say to younger black people when they are acting inappropriately in some <laughs> way. Uh, and so I thought this was going to be about in my brain when I was calling it young bloods. Thought it was going to be about a sort of group of brash young hockey players who learn to grow and like assess consequences before they act on impulse. But instead, it's about an individual person called Youngblood, played by Rob Lowe, who instead learns to fight better so he can exact revenge more effectively. Yeah. The opposite of your expectation. Exactly. He's called that because it is is his actual name. Because this movie is like, why be subtle when you can just be on the nose? Right. (laughs) That is a a surname that people have. Colin made the same comment. And then later on, he was like, wait a second. One of my colleagues has that last name. (laughs) No, but I'm also like, if you're making a thoughtful movie about barrel makers, you don't have to have it be called Mr. Cooper. (laughs) Like, just pick a different name. There are tons of names to choose from. Yes, I agree with you. I would like this movie better if this movie were called Cooper. (laughs) I just like a thing about this movie that drove me crazy is besides it subverting expectations of like when it could possibly be be interesting is the pacing is so strange like it's not really a script it's these like individual isolated uncomfortable incidents and it only really starts at like three quarters of the way through to hang together as like some type of plot but it's sort of like an uncomfortable dinner scene he makes the team his balls get shaved he's gets drunk at a bar like it's just cuts to everything like so jerkily and that the characters make decisions that make absolutely no sense and they have no interest in explaining Mm -hmm. them to you like at some point you just see patrick swayze bite the head off of a rose and then attempt to eat the thorny stem why who can say this movie certainly does not and uh (laughs) i know we used to do ebert or mebert on theranathon But I read the review of this one that Roger Ebert wrote. He was not a fan. And he was like, Rob Lowe learned how to skate to be in this movie. It's a shame the screenwriter didn't learn how to write in order to produce a a script. Damn. Which, like, I agree. There there is not a script (laughs) in this movie. There's just a collection of soulful shots. Keanu Reeves is in it. Yeah, it's yeah. true. <laughs> He's one of Patrick Swayze's lackeys, and he probably had to go leave to shoot something else because at a certain point in the movie, he just stops being present. Oh, well, he he is theoretically, he's the goalie, right? So theoretically, he is in a mask. Oh, that's him? But I'm presuming, I'm mm-hmm. presuming it's a stunt person. <laughs> okay. Well, Keanu, I found out the one thing I did learn from the internet about this movie is that Keanu Reeves played goalie in high school. Ah, well, that makes sense. That makes that's sense. probably why they hired him. Yeah, because he went to high school in Canada. He, in this movie, is, I believe, meant to be French-Canadian because he says things like, animal! Yes, his, the, my, my Kiki Anu moment, in fact, is when he goes, he is a, he is fucking an animal in a, <laughs> the most ha-hee-ha-hee-haw French accent. I had no idea that that was supposed to be a French-Canadian accent. I truly thought that that was, like, his Canada stoner, like, his... His normal Keanu voice, not saying that he's a stoner. You know what I mean. He he normally sounds like he just found his wave. And I thought that he was trying to Canada it Canada, Canada it up. I did not think he was trying to French Canada it up. Oh, he is. <laughs> I think so. Definitely Frenching it up. 
Also, he really is in this movie for under one minute, I would say. Yeah. He's like, there's a bar scene where he says the well, line that Bob just did very well. Firstly, you see him balancing something on his head mm-hmm. in the locker room. A roll of tape, and he does it. What beautiful range. I've never seen anyone put a, a thing of tape on their head quite like him. Then you see him uh, in the bar. I don't know. Firstly, you see him. He's he's spying on Rob Lowe as he fucks the landlady. Yes, and he talks about how she did it to him. And then you see him in the bar, and he says that infamous line. And infamous. And then <laughs> that's it. I think the rest of the time you see him, he's he's either in, out of focus in the background or he's in a mask. Right. There were a couple times where I was like, "Is that him, or is that some other mop head?" Right. And the thing that is shocking to me is there there's basically like very few characters in this movie, but there is a tertiary hockey character that has a bigger role than Keanu Reeves does and I am confident in saying that I don't think this dude is like an A-list actor at this point so it's just weird (laughs) that like someone with significantly more lines who's still a bit part is kind of like well at the time that's the horse they were backing and they backed the wrong horse yes (laughs) so key Keanu for me is gonna be the scene where he talks about banging the landlady Mm -hmm. just because that was probably the scene where he was the most in focus and coherent he was also doing a lot of like glance acting like looking up at the other person and a lot of eyebrows yeah a lot of eyebrows a lot of surprise i mean for as long as it lasts like seven seconds or something well i mean i don't have a lot to choose from and you guys have taken (laughs) both scenes that he's in um (laughs) but i'm gonna come down on team robin my kikianu is that but it's specifically so he says he banged the landlady a year ago and the other guy's like i banged her last week and he looks at him like so like she she chose you like you can see his like you're not that hot in his face and that's uh that's my moment. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Rob Lowe, I understand. Yeah. Can we talk about the boning in the movie for a second? Sure. So mm-hmm. Rob Lowe bones the landlady, and then we don't really refer to that again. And then later he has sex with his uh, with the coach's daughter, who he's been on a date with. And I was taken aback by the sex scene in that I, I guess because like this movie to me felt so steeped in like 80s cliches, I felt like it was more lingering and explicit a sex scene than I would have anticipated. Like you, s- it got a little softcore porn like. Yeah, like she like unbuttons like unbuttons his fly. There's like extended like humping and uh, butt thrusting. Yeah, yeah, and I was just surprised because it feels a little out of place in the movie. It made me think. How many 80s movies had these scenes in them that I don't know about because I only ever watched them on basic cable? Oh, good question. I did appreciate about the sex scene that it was very, like, formally organized. Like, it it was the least spontaneous sex scene that I think maybe I've ever seen. Like, they literally take the mattress off the bed because the bed is too creaky, and they put it on the floor, and then they just kind of, like, undress in front of each other. I will also say that, again, with the this movie makes incomprehensible choices, is like, I think Robin's right. It's like softcore porn level, like, they're fucking. And it is cut between, like, them fucking to the landlady in the kitchen preparing a tea tray, which we assume is what she's going to do so that she can have sex with Rob Lowe again. And it's these, like, cutesy metaphors of, like, she's, like, dropping the cherry on some cream or she's pouring hot water in a thing. And then she walks into the room where they're actively boning and like just sets the tea tray down and walks away. And I'm like, why was this the choice? Like, why is this in this at all? (laughs) So they use her making tea as a, that's like a euphemism for her going up to fuck them. So 
but they do that thing you're talking about where it's like oh the you know as soon as they start boning there's the steaming tea kettle like mm-hmm. the train goes into the tunnel kind of yeah nonsense. she's like dipping the steeper in the mm-hmm. hot tea and stuff yeah. yeah it's weird though it's, it's one it's of the weird. many many weird things in this movie <laughs> so another weird thing is like they go to a hallmark store which like r.i.p to those and i was like did hallmark sell smut he buys like a book called like nymphomaniac and i was like was that ever hallmark's brand i definitely did not realize that that was a hallmark store i thought that was a normal bookstore nope it's a hallmark it's this hallmark in the background (laughs) also that's a rufus because you know those are gone I also didn't know that those were gone. I thought maybe you meant that, like, stores are gone, period. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, they still have a channel. But I just more mean that, like, I think, like, Hallmark card stores as they were iconic in the 80s are no longer a thing. Okay. Yeah. I always think of that as, like, I, I don't think of that as an 80s thing. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hallmark has now evolved to be making this kind of movie. <laughs> yes, that's true. Which is weird. Yeah. One other thing I did want to talk about that I found unusual about this movie is like my expectation having not seen a lot of sports movies, but that most sports movies about are about like teamwork and like being on a team and the value of the sport. This movie is very unconcerned with that. It's only like three quarters of the way through before the coach is like, you guys got to work like a team. And I'm like, why would they? All they do are haze each other and try to like fuck with each other's ability to play hockey. Um, Which seems very strange. And also, I feel like movies like this, like you would expect there to be an emotional speech from the coach or a particular relationship between the coach and his team. That certainly doesn't exist. So it just like in some ways. The coach says a couple of witty things. I laughed out loud once or twice at things the coach said. Therefore, the coach is my who should Keanu play? Keanu and Ah, yes. Likewise. So Keanu and is if the movie were remade today you would cast Keanu as the coach in this movie? I think it's the clear choice. I The other choice, I thought, because I thought the guy who actually plays the coach, I thought was pretty good. Yeah. But I thought the guy who really could use improvement was the dad. True. I think Keanu would make a good dad character because they both have this kind of thing of like, you have to toughen up, but there's like a sort of slight softness behind them where they actually are caring uh, and i think keanu does that well like hard-ass keanu can also be warm keanu at the same time so i thought the coach pulled that off but the dad did not necessarily do so the dad is an actual hockey player oh. is a thing that i learned that makes sense that does make sense i think you guys both have lovely choices but i think you're wrong uh, my keanu anu is he should definitely be the fish hook guy because i think it would be hilarious to watch <laughs> keanu uh, sew someone's scar shut and just be very like fun because the guy Dopey. was like funny about like I'm doing this like weird thing and you're being a baby about it look at my embroidery on the wall yes. and I think that that would be like a good use of the type of Keanu persona that we get in movies like Keanu yeah where he like is in on the joke about who he is so that's who I would cast him as nice who would you guys cast Charlize Theron as in the original movie? Oh. <laughs> so uh, so we're doing time travel rules, so right. it could be current day. She could play Miss McGill. I don't want her to be the rapey landlady. Yeah. That's true. But then the only other female character is the girlfriend. I don't want her to be the girlfriend either. Can we make her the fishhook guy? Or the coach. Can you have a lady coach? I would make her the dad, and I would have it be a mom mm. instead, and it'd be the dad that walked out, and I think that her teaching her son how to fight would be interesting. Or big sister instead of big brother. The the whole Oscar winning moment yeah. of I gave up all this stuff because you were destined for hockey greatness would be great coming from Charlize. 
I've convinced myself. Also, she'd look badass with two different colored eyes. I forgot that that was a feature of the brother. <laughs> yeah, because he got he lost an eye from getting a stick in it. Oh, that's right. Right, right, right. Of course. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty good effect, actually. I think that made him look kind of sinister. Right. We also uh, normally have a segment. Normally, this is our second episode. Ha ha ha. Is would this movie be improved with a training montage? But oh my God, it opens with one and it did not help. There's several more. There are, yes. Yeah. Multiple training montages. My favorite was the farming is hard montage. <laughs> yeah, th- there's, a, there's a tedium montage of why he doesn't like farming, which is immediately followed by a training montage of how to punch a bag. Yes. The music that plays behind him learning how to punch a bag (laughs) is the most quintessential 80s training montage music I've ever heard in my entire life. And if I could have a workout uh, podcast or like a playlist that is just that, I would be so jacked by the end of it. It's like the the supermarket own brand version of the Rocky getting stronger song. It's like, you know. It's amazing. And if I could have my own personal hold music, I would A... (laughs) Uh, put people on hold and make them listen to that. And at the end of listening to it, everyone would have defined biceps. I'm telling you guys, this music is real. But you know, it also starts off with some amazing 80s elevator music montage, like slow motion hitting a puck into a net in a ghost ice rink. Those credits are so, so weird. Just, I mean, it does, You like you said, it tells you exactly what movie you're getting into, which I guess is yeah. a, that is what credit sequences are for. I wonder, did this movie, was it in theaters? Do you know? If Ebert reviewed it, probably yes. Okay. Yes, I think so. Because the quality of like the text of the credits makes it really seem like a straight to video. Everything about it really makes it seem straight to video. Yeah. I wonder if this was one of those things where they made it and then... Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze both started to get more famous and they were like, put it in theaters! Yeah, it probably what sat on a shelf like, we can't release this. It's right. no, There's just no story. Oh, you guys are so optimistic. No, they thought this was really good when they made <laughs> it. You guys know that they were like, this is the fucking movie. They put uh, Patrick Swayze in an incomprehensible clubhouse like it was his 17-year-old hockey yeah. apartment. What the fuck was that apartment? It uh, looked like the storage room of a community center. I thought he was... <laughs> I thought he was hanging out in the bronze from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was like, what is this cool generic warehouse space? <laughs> yeah, this movie, I it was it was a lot. All right, I'm going to put on my Sean Collier voice because I just pulled up Youngblood on Box Office Mojo. It was released January 31st, 1986 in fourth place, pulling in $4 million. $4 million wow. worth of people bought tickets for this. It what lost three movies ahead of it. Down and Out in Beverly Hills, The Color Purple, and Murphy's Romance. Never heard of... Oh, co- Color Purple I've heard of. Yeah. Color 2, never heard of. I've heard of them, but I haven't seen them. <laughs> but anyway, this was a real movie, as unlikely as that seems. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. And it, we, I believe it is Keanu Reeves' first feature-length movie, right? I, that's what you said. I, I did that research two years ago, so I don't remember... <laughs> <laughs> I think it is, and that's why we chose it. If people yeah. were curious, we weren't just like really gunning for a bizarre hockey movie. <laughs> right. I did I did think uh, that this reminded me a little bit of our second episode of Theronathon, which was Two Days in the Valley, where it's very much, this is what you would cast Keanu Reeves as if you just took him at first glance, right? Right. Like Charlize Theron, you cast her as the leggy femme fatale. 
Keanu Reeves, you cast him as the dopey lackey for the cool guy. Right. That could have been his entire career, and thank God it wasn't. Truly. I think we're going to have to go through a lot of movies where that is his role. Yeah. Which I'm very excited about. I mean, yeah. I truly love him in that role, right? <laughs> Can we even call it a roll? It's barely a screen test. I think he would get more airtime in a commercial. <laughs> so I think I think we're about done. Yeah. Uh, one other note that I had was just honestly so unpleasant. <laughs> you know what that was specifically in reference to? I think it's the, the beginning of it just made me so uncomfortable because everyone is just bullying Rob Lowe and it makes me sweaty. And sexually assaulting him. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I have one more comment. Is it normal to drink Bloody Marys in real bars in the evening in Canada? Does anybody know? <laughs> <laughs> no idea. As far as I knew, Bloody Marys were only consumed on airplanes and at brunch. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've only ever had them at, when it's daylight. Yeah, but those girls in Canada were drinking Bloody Marys. Hey, well, maybe it was daytime. We do not know. That's yeah, it's true. The it's the Arctic Circle. It could be, <laughs> it's it could not be winter. the Arctic Circle. Well, because it's, it's, it's dark for a month. It's just above the border. <laughs> no, that's it. All right. That's that is darkness only. <laughs> and then light only. Yeah. It's like you're in Detroit, we have normal daytime. Cross the river or cross the lake rather, go to Toronto. It's yeah. all over. Sunlight yeah, sunlight becomes seasonal across the border. That's why people love the Canadian view of Niagara Falls. The lighting is better. <laughs> so, we should rank this right or score it as we're going to be doing look we admit that our our system for theronathon was delightful for us but perhaps uh obscure and unpleasant for listeners so <laughs> instead of ranking everything in real time as we watch it fun though it would be to force all of us to make this our number one keanu reeves movie number uh, two surely what was our first one sweet, sweet november, november. Oh yeah, no, I like that better. Sorry, my mind is a uh, wasteland. But what we're going to do now is uh, score these movies from 0 to 20, with 20 being a perfect film and 0 being you would erase it from the history of mankind if you could. <laughs> so I, for baseline, and, and this works for me because I think Sweet November is an excellent baseline for Keanu movies. I am having Sweet November, uh, I'm going to rank it 14 out of 20. So just below the 75% mark. And I think it's going to be my barometer for anything better than Sweet November is definitely worth your time. And anything lower than Sweet November is a judgment call. You're setting the recommendation threshold two episodes in. I'm impressed. Oh, well, that's because I've seen lots of other movies in relation to Sweet November and know how it holds up. Mm. Um, <laughs> however... Youngbloods, I'm going to give a 3 out of 20. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, I was pushing for a 1 to 100 scale, which is what we have on Nomia, which we stole from Beyond Gatrock. Regina had very compelling reasons to want to shrink the frame back to 20. And then I was like, great, well, I'll just choose my score out of 100 and do the math. And then I did that, didn't like the math, threw it out. I'm going to give Youngblood a 6. Mm. It was not terrible. It just is completely unnecessary and deeply weird. And... I regrettably admit that Sweet November is a better movie than this, <laughs> and so I'm going to give it a seven. Sweet November is a seven? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> oh my goodness. Goodness gracious. <laughs> well, based purely on Keanu's 
existence in this movie, I feel like it is impossible to rank. So I'm I'm not going to do... I feel like what I would rank for Theronathon, it was based specifically on Charlize in the movie. But this one, I'm going to give a pass to that. And I'm going to rank this between you guys. I'm going to give it a five. Um, it was nice to see uh, Patrick Swayze be in himself. And yeah. that's basically the only thing I'm giving. Oh, and the 80s Hermione Granger was charming. She was charming. And uh, But for Sweet November... I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a 12. Um, And that's partly because I went back and listened to our old episode of it. And I do think that my opinion of it had slightly changed. I think I was kinder to it in the first watching than in the second watching. Um, And rehearing myself. I'm very compelling. So I changed my own mind. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm giving it a little lift. So that's where I'm at with these two. Good. I should say that I think the three points I'm giving for Youngblood are both of Keanu's lines and Patrick Swayze's smirk to the referee. Okay. I like that each point has a specific tie to the film. That's very good. I think I can probably only do that for this movie. Yeah, because you like Sweet November way too much. You have 20, you have more than 20 things that you like about it. I certainly do. So I, normally we wouldn't know what we're doing next, but I think it would be fun for people to to do this with us. But since Bill and Ted 3 is coming out soon, and since Bill and Ted is really what launched Keanu into himself, uh, we're going to do that trilogy next. So if you want to watch in real time with us, treat yourselves. I'm very excited about this. I am so excited excited i actually don't know if i've seen any of the bill and ted movies i think i have when i was very young but i honestly don't know you did not grow up in america i did not uh i have not seen them since i was that age so i i I definitely saw them many times then i feel like there was a time when comedy central if you turned it on it was either playing the dana carvey special or bill and ted (laughs) so i feel like i've definitely seen them a lot in pieces but i'm very excited i've seen them recently and previously so many times (laughs) (laughs) just so many times so i'm really excited that we're we're doing it so thank you for listening that was awesome of you to do that thank you for bearing with us when the recording messed up thank you to alex reed for our theme song i got multiple compliments sent my way so i hope that they were all redirected towards you thank you to both of you my co-hosts and most of all Thank, Thank you, Keanu. This breeze is so good. It's fondue with cheese. We're gonna eat it all up while we talk about Keanu Reeves. That is really hard to sink over Zoom. Oh, it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I think if we do one, two, three, that might help. Okay. okay. Should we do it again? Yeah. Yeah. And most of all, thank, thank you, Keanu. 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 Whichever one works better. It's fine. Yeah.